Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Iowa Everywhere. And now it's time for Two Guys Named Chris. Powered by Fairway Meat and Grocery. This is Iowa Everywhere for the fans. And hello, I assume many of you are off, uh, off work today. And welcome to two guys named Chris hanging I'm out. Not off work. Yeah, you. Where are you at? You're you're I'm somewhere in the in the bowels of CBS Sports. Can you still see me? Yeah, I can see you. Why? Okay, okay. My my computer's going haywire. I don't know what the hell. Oh going yeah, on. no, you look fine. Um, you look fine. Yes, I, I'm where at work. At? I'm at work. I'm at uh, CBS Sports HQ here in Fort Lauderdale, and I'm in uh, uh, some kind of a some kind of a conference room that I've I've never been in before. But I'm trying to hide from my coworkers because I know if, if they find out that I'm doing this podcast here, they're going to try to come in and just mess with me. You know we're we're live, so they can see it on your Twitter feed. Well, hopefully they're not. Uh, Hopefully they're not following. Uh, hopefully they're not on Twitter right now because uh, I'm trying to be real discreet about this. No, I I, I, I brought in my microphone and my light though. Oh, I'm you brought in your light. Look at yeah, you. Yeah, it's a big wow. show, Chris. It's a big show that we had so much happen since our last. Yeah, one. no, you're right. It, there is a lot to cover today. There's there's no doubt about that. Let's uh, thank our friends at Fairway Fairway Meat and Grocery for sponsoring two guys named Chris as they do each and every episode uh, heading into the new year. Uh, well, not into the new year. I guess we're we're already here. Let's let's dig right in. Iowa wins the Music City Bowl. We'll start with some football. And, uh, boy, that game was exactly what we all thought it would be. I mean, <laughs> you know, like uh, the under hit, uh, there was no offense on either side. Two of Iowa's touchdowns come from, you know, not offensive football. You couldn't have drawn that out one that one out to be any more predictable. Now, probably a little more lopsided than, than what most people thought with the two-and-a-half-point spread when that thing kicked off. But, nonetheless, it was the uh, – Probably a bowl game, well, a very forgettable bowl game, only in the sense that, um, I mean, it was just kind of blah. But fun if you're an Iowa fan, though. That's what you do. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it, the first half was fun and exciting. And then they A couple of pick sixes. Yeah. But then, yes, you when Iowa got up by 14 and then 21, you knew oh. that they would do nothing offensively. They would take Anaconda no chances. Anaconda mode. Anaconda mode, man. You just yeah. Squeeze and them. The second half was uh, was not fun to watch, but um, it, it went. I, I did think Iowa was going to easily win this game, but I thought it was going to go over the total. I should have listened to you. Well, you know what I ended up doing? I did bet the game. I went into Circa and I did a teaser, and I teased Iowa to win. And I teased the under. So I actually played it at like 37, and all Iowa had to do was not lose by a field goal or more. And ended up very comfortably 
winning that bet. But, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. When neither offense can score and, like, you're just relying – like, now, I won't lie, when that Cooper DeGene pick six, I'm like, okay, we're in trouble now. Like this, Yeah, because all Iowa needed was one more maybe field goal or touchdown, and I think – Kentucky had no answer. They couldn't do anything. No, and that quarterback – I mean, I I guess I should have factored that in more. With the unknown at quarterback, I thought maybe he would – and the fact that he was a a, a dual-threat guy, I thought maybe he would um, frustrate the Iowa defense at least at first. It just didn't – it didn't happen. I mean, that was just – I mean, pretty much a carbon copy of of what we saw most of the season, which was the the Iowa defense getting it done and the Iowa offense not having to do anything. Um, I, I, I want to say that that I liked what I saw from from Labus, but they really didn't allow him to do anything. It doesn't other than those either. first couple drives. I guess he'll, I guess he will be there next year. I mean, in all. Right, because he he kind of stuck it out, but I guess he still could transfer. But if I'm Labus, I'm like, you know, McNamara's. I don't know. I, it just the whole thing with the Iowa quarterback thing is weird. We don't really need to rehash everything that was said and done this year. Really, the big story here is uh, fun win, um, mm-hmm. good win, good job, credit where it's due, took care of business. Now the off season's the story. Right. right, like we're already on to this. What happens with Brian Ferentz? Brian Ferentz, uh, with another regrettable comment leading up to the game, uh, there's part of me that's like, I don't know what Brian Ferentz could say at this point that would make anybody happy. I, I do have sympathy for the man in that in that sense. Um, he got real snarky with Chad Lystico before he gave that answer. That's the part that I don't like about Brian Ferentz. Just answer the question. You don't have to be, um, whatever. We don't need to get into it. What do you think is going to happen, Hassel? Do you think he's the offensive coordinator next year? It doesn't matter, I guess, as long as Kirk Ferentz is the head coach. Give us your thoughts. We appear to have lost Chris Hassel. He is frozen in time right here, thinking about the future of Iowa football. I'm sure we'll get back to him. I can kind of talk about this, though, because that's what I'm thinking about the entire time. When I'm watching that game, because we all know uh, that bowl games are glorified exhibitions in the year 2022. They are fun, though. I hope people, I hope Iowa fans could sit back there and enjoy the game. You know, enjoy the fact that your team's playing, uh, that you can sit. Because I, I didn't, I've greatly missed out on that this year as an Iowa State fan. But I've really enjoyed these bowl games. And I hope Iowa fans could do that and not automatically start thinking about the offseason and what's going to happen. We got Hassel back. That that was my question I was posing to you, Hassel, as an Iowa fan. Is is Brian Ferentz the offensive coordinator next year? And doesn't even matter as long as Kirk Ferentz is the head coach. Where do we go from here? Because that feels like where everybody is heading to at this point. I just I don't think he can be the offensive coordinator next year. I, I, I worry that he might still be, but I, I don't think he can be. I, I think after these last couple of seasons. And we appear to have more internet issues with Hassel. CBS is uh, apparently, well, Brock, let's see if we can bring him in and just do audio only with Chris, if that's okay. Because I think that that's probably the only way that we're going to be able to to keep him based off of the... I don't think they got enough bandwidth over there at CBS. Watch, like, if you're watching CBS right now, like, the whole thing's just gone off because Hassel's taking up too much of the bandwidth. 
He was um, in some side corner conference room. It's all good. Um, I, I agree with where Chris was going with this, and I think that it is a situation where it's just too toxic. And it, it was really awkward watching the press conference last week, and Phil Parker does a great job. He A lot like John Haycock on the other side of the state. Neither of these guys are um, – you know they're they're team guys, right? They're clearly loyal to Matt Campbell and to Kirk Ferentz. It was awkward watching that press conference because you think like some of the stuff Brian's saying, and then if you're Phil Parker over there and you're like, well, just hey, if you could score 17 a game, you idiot, we could uh, we would be in the top top 10 right now. Um, but it just seems too toxic to me, Chris. I think that's kind of the way you're going. Like I don't know what the fans uh, or I don't know what Brian Ferentz could do at this point to to win over fans because you know I, I actually think it's risky if if Kirk wants the best for his son and the future of his coaching if you if you pay whatever and you get Kay McNamara and then you come in and you have similar results um, you're making your son unhirable I, I don't know to me keep him in the program clearly he's not going anywhere else make him the offensive line coach he's had success there Right in the, I I don't know. I don't know the setup of your program as well as I should probably, but it just seems to me like you're already starting off next season with that toxicity. If Brian Ferentz is in in name the offensive coordinator, yeah. And as we talked about in our last show, it's like if Brian Ferentz is on one side of Cade McNamara and Spencer Petrus is on the other, like there's already built-in excuses and built-in talking points and built-in ammunition. Yeah. For Iowa fans, if if things don't go well, and that and that could spell trouble for Cade McNamara as well, I, I I don't think that you can go into next season with Brian Ferentz as offensive coordinator. I think at the very least he needs to be reassigned. I mean, make him the run game coordinator, make him the offensive line coach again. I don't know where you go with the offensive coordinator position though. Like, who are you going to get? Where, where is he going to come from? Is he going to agree to? just kind of do whatever Kirk Ferentz wants him to do. I, I think that that is the number one storyline this offseason, and it's it's an even bigger storyline than bringing in Cade McNamara because depending on who is calling the plays, who they bring in, that is going to shape everything for next season. I, just, I don't trust the current offensive staff with Cade McNamara. Like, I don't think it matters. Like, he – Kate McNamara is an upgrade to Spencer Petras. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Anybody who watches games knows this. But we've seen like the Jake Rudocks of the world and stuff where they automatically get better when they leave Iowa. Right? Like there's there's a track record here and they've got to do something different and I just don't I they need fresh blood so badly. Mm-hmm. In that offense, they need they need new ideas. And that's really what I'm cheering for, uh, for Iowa. Like, to bring in somebody else. Don't bring in Ken O'Keefe again, right? <laughs> like, this can't be, like, one of the good old boys. Like, bring in somebody young with new ideas when it comes to Iowa offensive football. And you don't, like, th- this is, honestly, it's the same analysis I gave you when Iowa State was looking for a coordinator. Iowa football shouldn't be out there trying to do what Ohio State does. That's not the winning recipe for Iowa football. But you've got to come out of 1991. Like, that, that's, that's the number one thing. And if you talk to really smart football people, 
across the country and you just ask them about scouting Iowa, they tell you how predictable it is when it comes to certain things, pre-snap, you know, all that stuff. They've got to get fresh ideas and you've got a great opportunity now with this big upgrade at quarterback. I still really worry about anything on the outside. I mean, Nico Regani's coming back. He's a guy like he's not Nico Regani's never going to be the man. He, he's a nice player and you'd rather have him back than not. Um, you're going to have two solid tight ends. Like you don't go away from what you're good at, but there's got to be fresh blood. That's all I'm looking for here in the offseason from Iowa. And um, as a devil's advocate, I'll say that even if you do bring in some fresh blood, Kirk Ferentz is still going to be the one calling all the shots. I mean, I don't think for a second, even if they do bring in some some guy from that was leading a, a big-time offense in the Sun Belt, that he's just going to be able to have free reign over the offense. Also, what if they promised Cade McNamara? And and you remember That's, the picture that they posted? Yeah. It was Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz flanking Cade McNamara uh, at his house when he announced his decision. Do you think that Kirk and Brian Ferentz, like... Brian's answer the other day was just so curious to me about I'm doing the best with the pieces I have or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that like when they're sitting around and they're having their family Christmas and maybe Brian and Kirk are have enjoying a bourbon in the den, whatever the Ferences do, do you think that they think that they're like good offensive minds, or do you think that they <laughs> like I, I, you know what I mean like that, like I, I want a leader and, and Kirk has done this. We've seen Kirk evolve over time. This is. N- this is not, and I, this is where Matt Campbell's at. Like the first time when Kirk failed, right? When you're like, oh man, this might be when they lost like Western Michigan in November, whatever year that was. And you're like, Kirk needs to evolve. He needs. This is where Matt Campbell's at right now. Where Matt needs to be able to look in the mirror and go, we're not doing this well, and I got to bring in people to help me here. I guess at this point, like, do you think that they? Because what did Brian say? Like, you're as good as your record is. Where you're right, like the program is. But, like, anybody with a brain who's watched this can say, well, bro, like, you are not a big part of this right now. Like, you're you're lucky that you've got this Phil Parker guy next to you who's elite right. at what he does. I don't know. Like, I, where, where are the Ferences at in your mind when it comes to that? <laughs> I, I think that they look at it as a whole. I, Kirk Ferentz. In particular, like he doesn't okay. think, I don't think anyway, he doesn't think like, oh, our offense is, is terrible. It, it needs to be at a certain level. I think he looks at it, okay, we've got a defense that can do this, a special teams that can put us in this kind of position. The offense doesn't need to give us much. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a holistic approach. And I think Brian Ferentz believes that they're just – a handful of pieces away from doing what they want to do offensively. I, I do think, and he's even said it multiple times to the media, that it's more about personnel than it is anything else. They don't think that they had the right guys in place this season, and they think that if they do get the right guys in place, that they'll be much better. Now, that, that's also a knock on you. For one, not recruiting those guys. Two, not developing the guys that you do get. Three, not keeping maybe some of the guys that could have helped you get to that point. But I can't tell you how many 
tweets I read from national college football people that have been that said the same thing that we've been saying for the last couple of years. If they just had a serviceable offense, this would be a 10-11 win team. This would be a team that perhaps is a a college football playoff contender with how great they are defensively and on special teams. Matt Brown tweets that Iowa became the first team since 1994 to finish a season with a winning record while scoring fewer than 18 points per game. That is insane. Because think of how much different football was in 1994. Think of what the offenses were in 1994. And think of how many points Iowa's defense scored for them this season. That's not offensive points per game. That's points per game. It reminds me, I'm actually, I've read this book before. I'm reading it for the second time. I'm putting up, it's called The Perfect Pass by S.C. Gwynn. It's about Hal Mummy and Mike Leach and how they invented the air raid and like the origins behind it. And watching, you can't watch Iowa football without thinking of some of the examples given in this book. It's it's incredible. Every if you're a football fan, you should totally read this book. It's called The Perfect Pass. Go and download it or um, or buy it today. And it's it, you know you just you can't not think about Kirk Ferentz when you're reading about these guys who just refuse to evolve. <laughs> and like it's just oh uh, it, it, the the stat that blew my mind from that game. And I guess if you're an Iowa fan for one day, you just kind of wear it with a badge of honor where they didn't get a third down conversion and they won 21 to nothing in a bowl game. They were and like, the game oh. was never in doubt. Oh, no. You never watched that game and thought Iowa was going to lose. So, I, again, we'll, we'll have all offseason to talk about mm-hmm. their offseason moves because I think it's going to be busy. Let's move it, on. It'll be interesting to see how quickly they move as well, one way or another, whether you know Kirk Ferentz will do his evaluation and it's going to be interesting because he's not Brian Ferentz's boss. So if he makes his evaluation and then we really think Gary Barta is going to come in and make a decision on his own on on Brian I, Ferentz. I still don't I, understand the Gary Barta thing. Did you read his quotes? Did you see his video? Yes. Yes. I, it, it, yeah, well, I don't know what you can... He, I don't he, understand it. I thought he was in charge. He keeps putting Brian. the ball back in Kirk Ferentz's court. But as we know... But Legally. I thought the law was he was in charge. But he keeps saying that Ferentz is of Brian. Like, I don't understand it. What, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't he either, technically I, I, in charge of Brian Ferentz? He, he can is fire supposed him any to be, day? yes. Yes. But he keeps and so saying, I don't know if that means, like, Kirk can't fire him himself. Maybe Kirk makes a recommendation to, to Gary Barta on, well, we on all what know he it's thinks should happen. Like, I, I know. Right? I know like, we do. I know. It's You just have to go through these hoops because of the, the nepotism laws and all that stuff. But I, I just don't see any way if Kirk Ferentz doesn't want to make a move with Brian, his own son, I, I don't see any way that Gary Barta is going to jump no over Kirk and make that decision no about Kirk's son for him. No chance at all. Absolutely none. That that I, I just my whole thing with Barta is like I know it's a sham. Like I know what's going on here. I'm not intellectually burying my head in the sand. Like for the but like I can't believe he's saying the things out loud that he is. I figured he would fake it a little bit more. Hey Kirk, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I have to say this out loud, but we all know you're in charge. It's bizarre to me, but whatever. Um, it is what it is. It's not like it's some new 
mm-hmm. aspect of Iowa football that we haven't seen. I want to give a shout out to our friends at Circa. I asked um, our friend Aaron from Circa last night about. I said if if I were to bet TCU to win the national championship in the preseason, what would I have gotten? And I got this back. They opened it at five hundred to one in the preseason. <laughs> it then jumped to three hundred to one, and it shifted back to five hundred to one. So. If, if you would have bet TCU to win the national championship on October 2nd, so this is an entire month into the season, you still could have gotten them at 150 to 1. We're watching one of the great sports stories of all time as far as like this underdog team, and it really hit me watching that game against Michigan. Because I, you know me, Chris, I watch the Big 12 every week. I think it's a really good football conference. I don't think it's the SEC. Um, in fact, it's probably not the Big Ten. I do think it's a tougher league in the Big Ten without the divisions, right? I, I think it's deeper. You got to play yeah. everybody, and yeah. there's there's fewer layups. There's fewer Correct. Northwesterns and Rutgers and, and all like, that. I, I had great respect for TCU's resume going into this thing. I still picked them to lose. I picked Michigan to beat them. As did I. I picked Michigan to cover. I thought that they would win by ten points. It just felt like when I was watching that game, and I'm watching on Twitter, the TCU under, underdog story kind of hit me. Where you know, there was the one lady, she mouthed to her husband when TCU got up two scores and she got caught on camera, and she goes to her husband, maybe they are good, yeah. talking about TCU. And it's like, well, yeah, they, they are. But like this perception of what they are, like it, this is one of the great underdog stories. 500 to 1. In the preseason at Circa, we're watching a really cool story here play out. They'll get and Georgia in the championship. Year head coach. Yeah, this is a terrible last year. That did what Iowa would never do, and I'm not saying Iowa should do this because I think Kirk Ferentz should be able to to say when he wants to ride off into the sunset. He's he's been a great, great head coach for Iowa, but they had Gary Patterson who had a statue outside the stadium, a guy who had taken TCU to undefeated seasons, and it just wasn't working out after 20 or so years. They were starting to go down a little bit. They were starting to fall into mediocrity, and midway through the season, they just pulled the plug, and in comes Sonny Dykes, who was over at SMU, and Max Duggan was going to be a backup quarterback and decided to stay at TCU and be what he said the best backup in college football. And starting quarterback gets injured, he gets his chance. I thought that he should have been the Heisman Trophy winner this year for for what he's done not only this year but persevering throughout his his career whether it was being named a backup a backup your final season or overcoming the heart problem that he had. And you just got this team that almost seems like a team of destiny now. And at, at no point has anyone jumped on the TCU bandwagon and says, yes, that's the team that's going to win it all. And it's still going to gonna be the same story this week. And I've already heard it. Boy, how miserable is this national championship game going to be? How bad is Georgia going to beat TCU? And if they do pull it off, this is going to be one of the great Cinderella stories in 
sports history, especially in college football, when the story year in and year out is it's the same teams over and over again. It's Alabama, it's Clemson, it's Georgia, it's LSU. When are we ever going to get somebody else in there? Well, now here we are with TCU. One win away from a national championship. And a, and a TCU team that if we didn't have this four-team playoff, if it was the BCS, they wouldn't have been in. It would have been Michigan, Georgia in the championship game. And a lot of people said that's what it should have been going into this weekend. A lot of people said, oh, oh BCS had it right. There's no Ohio State yeah. shouldn't be in. TCU shouldn't be in. TCU lost in the Big 12 championship game, and that was one of the, their more impressive games. That, that was the game where, where I made the decision that Duggan should have been the, the Heisman Trophy winner because he showed a yeah. lot in that game against Kansas State. And now just going punch for punch with Michigan, it seemed like there were a couple of instances late in that game. Michigan cut it to, to three, and they were going to get over the hump, and they were going to get it done, and, and TCU just would not let it happen. Nothing fluky about that. Yeah, that was a really good – both games were awesome. We don't get that very oh, often. Amazing. In the college we, We've never playoff. had that in the playoff. That's the no. first time it's happened where we've had two great games. Really awesome to not have Bama, not have Clemson, just some fresh blood mm-hmm. in that thing. The uh, I, I, so a couple things here, and I know I'm putting on my my Big Twelve hat, but I'm but I'm going to because it's driven me crazy for ten years. The whole oh the Big Twelve doesn't play defense thing, and and my argument was all would always be well. The, the style of offense in the in this league, this was back in the day, is is conducive to it, one, it's really tough to stop, two, the tempo's really high. And it was fascinating to me to watch because ever since Corum went down for Michigan, they're more wide open, right? Like they've they've kind of changed the style. And I credit Jim Harbaugh to this. You lose your workhorse running back like that and he's spread it out. And now they're throwing it all over the field. And you watch all of these high-profile games, Hassel, and, and how easy would it be to make the lazy argument for all of these teams? Well, they don't play defense. Well, that well, the SEC doesn't play defense. Did you see them against Ohio State? Well, <laughs> clearly the Big Ten doesn't play defense because did you see what TCU did to them? And this is just football now, and it's awesome. And I, I see, I found myself, I got really greedy watching those games the other day. I was like, man, imagine if we had six of these games. A 12-team playoff? No kidding. We, we, and we've got all these different styles, and they're colliding, and then you're on campus. It was awesome. And I, and this is a really big deal for this new Big 12, too. Yeah, Just it's it's one perception. of those teams that's, that's staying. Yeah, you know? the perception it, of it, it's a really big deal for this league. It, yeah, it wasn't uh, Texas or Oklahoma to get that playoff win. It was TCU that brought the Big 12 their first playoff win. Crazy. And now a chance to bring them a, a national championship. I know it's a long shot. What's the line? What's Circa have that line at right now? 13 Week and from a half. today. 13, 13 and a half. <laughs> Man. I would play TCU, honestly. Like, I don't think they're going to win, but they they just keep surprising people. I just wait and play it. See if you can get it over 14. See uh, where the money's going. But, I mean, George uh, – what? It doesn't work this way, we all know. But Michigan handily beat Ohio State. TCU beat Michigan. Right? Like, there's TCU can play with them. Now, will they is, is a whole other question. I think Georgia is clearly um, twice as talented as TCU is. But it, it makes it fun. This is a fun storyline going into this one. Mm-hmm. Now, I was really rooting for Ohio State because I wanted the Big Ten, Big 12 national championship game. 
that would have been fun just to keep the SEC out of there for once. Uh, but nonetheless, man, I was just really happy to get a couple of great games. And with the great quarterback play, C.J. Stroud, uh, we saw Bryce Young in the in the Sugar Bowl. It, the two quarterbacks in this game are not NFL prospects. Stetson Bennett and Max Duggan. You know, just a, just a couple of dudes who get Good it done. College football players. Yeah. You know, N- nothing sexy the, about them. It, it's it's awesome. Um, I guess we can get to we're going to stay away from today's games, everybody, because we don't want the podcast to be dated. Uh, Justin is asking on uh, Facebook the name of the book that I said. It's called The Perfect Pass. It's by S.C. Gwynn. And it's about the evolution of the forward pass in football. And it it's just it's fascinating to watch, like just how stubborn and it goes back to what I was just saying, Chris. It was not long ago where Art Bryles and starts throwing it around at Baylor and Leach. And do you remember like they were basically accused of being like a a non masculine form of football? Right, yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're scoring all those points, but that's not real football. Mm-hmm. And it just stood out to me this week watching all of these games. And you was like, watch USC play. I mean, that's what football is now. Watch the NFL; it has evolved. I feel like you're just rubbing it into Iowa fans who no, who, who I'm just not rubbing the 99th best offense in the country. And I'm can't not get it. rubbing anything in. It's a point. Speaking of rubbing it in, how's your mom doing after the Cox got smoked by the Catholics? No, they didn't get smoked, but that was a fun game. But Catholics over Cox. That was a really good game. Mom was, um, I think she took it okay, to be honest with you. Did you watch it with her? No, I didn't get down to Clorinda until the day after, but she was texting me the whole time. She really doesn't like Notre Dame. Uh, not a not a big fan of the fight. That was a. I, I hope. Did you watch that? Because these bowl games have been fun, man. We've had a good bowl year, even despite. I, yeah, I, I'm despite pro, the opt outs, it's fun. It's been I'm good time. Pro. I, I and, and I feel like this has happened a few times. Where my problem is is I don't like the idea of a five or six win team getting to a bowl game because I I still in my mind I feel like a bowl game should be a. A, a prize for a good season, a great season. But then when we get into the games, it's it's been great. And like, I've never said, "Oh God, look at this bowl game; it's on." I wish this game wasn't on. It's it's still it's a it's it's a it's it's all for TV. A lot of these bowl games have very few people in the stands, but man, have they been fun! And the guys that have elected to play in these games, they have put it all out on the line. And the games have been great, so I, I I'll, I'll say it. I, I was I was wrong. Bowl season's awesome. Um, Did you read the Ross Dellinger report from Sports Illustrated? No, no. Bowl season's about to get really interesting too. I've been saying forever you need to pay the guys through the bowl games. Yeah, to absolutely. Keep them to play, and it it yeah. sounds like there's some real momentum that you know these bowl payouts. Yeah, sure. Where that's going to go to the players so, in the future, okay, and it should. And let let's let's have that be a bridge to, yes, more of this TV money, correct, going to the players and not coming out of the fan, not having to ask the fans for more money to pay these kids. Again, like I said, it's all a sham. This whole thing that we're talking about that we love, it's all a giant sham. And basically, the Bulls are like, hey. 
we can help you pay the players so that you don't have to worry about things like Title IX and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they're selfishly doing it because they want to save their product as well. Yeah. These bowl games are great businesses. They make a lot of money. They are... Uh, so here, here's the one thing that like casual Joe probably doesn't understand. I remember back in the day, you'd read in the paper, oh, the Hawks get $900,000 to go play in the Alamo Bowl. Can you imagine what that's going to do for recruiting and the facilities? And Well, it's not that simple. Because you with, with that, the Alamo Bowl, I'm just naming a random bowl game, will say, yeah, but you have to buy 30,000 tickets. You have to. Like, right. you are required to do that. Well, that comes straight out of that. And then you got to get the team down there. And then you got to pay for the hotel. And then you got to get the administrators and all those people. And um, so, like, you really don't make any money. This will be another fight between the universities and the players. And these players need to be represented. And I don't know how you do that, but they need to have somebody in the room who is fighting for them in this. But this is the next thing, Chris. I'm telling you right now, January 2nd, where these bowls, they, these bowl games are always trying to fight for relevancy. And now they've got the biggest fight of their life with this 12-team playoff coming up. And none of these players want to play in their bowl games anymore. So they're going to start to try and get creative on how to pay the players through these games. I think it's great. It'll be interesting. It'll give us good storylines to pay attention to. Uh, yeah, as they should. I, I I hope there will be more of that and more uh, money sharing, more sharing of this ridiculous amount of money that these schools are bringing in because uh, it is it, it is insane. And and I know that at some of these places, a lot of that money is used to keep some of these other athletic programs going that lose a lot of money. Because most athletic programs lose money. Football keeps it all afloat no doubt uh let's go to basketball here thanks to fairway meat and grocery for sponsoring two guys named chris here on monday the 2nd of january our first show of 2023 iowa state dominates baylor number 12 baylor on new year's eve i picked them to lose this game i thought without jazz Koontz, it would be a real uphill battle jazz is one of those guys chris that just does so many little things that you don't see in the box score and i thought that it would be a huge loss i think it will be over time but they played um really fantastic basketball i I, any game that iowa state hits 10 threes they'll win like if it's pretty clear like they'll win those games it's not going to happen very often i don't think you look at this new year's eve game and say that is a blueprint to victory for iowa state that's not the case um grill and Kalsher each hitting five threes those guys don't do that very often but i think that the i think iowa state stole one here uh you kind of got to get to eight wins is what you're looking for and man um they were really really impressive and it, it Frankly, with the play of Taman Lipsy and how he's ascended this way, um, I'm a lot more bullish on Iowa State basketball than I was a week ago. That was a really impressive win, I thought. And this was this is what we wanted to see, right? Uh, they had played nobody since the Iowa debacle. And you got Baylor coming in, New Year's Eve. I wasn't sure what the crowd was going to be like because the students are gone. I was really impressed 
with Hilton Coliseum in that game. It's awesome. I mean, it's a, that's a totally different game if it's played at Baylor or if it's played in front of a sleepy crowd. That crowd was in it from the start. They, you know, e- even the folks that sat where the students normally sit, that they filled the shoes of the students greatly. And that was a huge victory. That that could be a difference maker come tournament time. And now Iowa State is a top 30 team or top 40 team in the net. I'm not sure if they I, – I had the, the net rankings pulled up. It's, it's, it's amazing the turnaround that's happened since that um, – the Cyhawk game. But Iowa State's up to 26 in the net, while Iowa has fallen to 65. Ah, I haven't seen it and today. You, oh. And you've got a, an Iowa State team that – how many wins did you say they need in conference play to get into the tournament? I, I, I think eight and ten gets you in for sure. I don't think you're sweating it. I think you could win seven and be on the bubble. You, remember, they play that SEC thing in the middle of the year. Yep. Well, this year they they're at Missouri, so that's, that's another a quad opportunity. One game. That's a quad one. Yeah. So I think in theory they could win seven Big Twelve games, win that game, and get in. But I again though, it's the second year in a row where they did enough in their non-conference with some of these. You know the. Villanova, North Carolina, now those teams have not been great thus far, but I still think those will be quad one wins at the end of the year. And um, I think eight gets you in comfortably. I think seven you have a chance. So you start kind of just checking them off the list. Mm -hmm. I thought they stole one on Saturday, though. I did. I thought that they would lose that game to Baylor. I thought that they would have to learn a little bit without Jazz. And um, the thing that stands out to me, is there's so much – okay, I don't want to say it that way because it's not – they're a little bit – like their ratings aren't as good on defense this year. But their offensive ratings, while not gaudy, it's a little bit of an Iowa basketball football conversation here. Last year, Chris, they were 171 in Ken Palm offense at the end of the year. That was when they were playing in the Sweet 16, ranked 171 in offensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. This year they're ranked 111th. That's a massive jump. Mm-hmm. So that's keeping you out of those games where you got to try and beat these Big 12 teams scoring 55 points. You should, That will happen a couple of times this year. I'm confident that it will. But it's not happening once a week like you saw a year ago, and it makes it that much easier. So then you don't have to grind it out and hold these teams to, you know, like gaudy defensive numbers. And it's because they're better down low. You actually have guys around the basket who can finish. And what about Taman Lipsy? I mean, come on. Like, this guy, we need to talk about this young man, freshman out of Ames, who, by all means, if you would have – he was not going to start. Jeremiah Williams, the Temple transfer, was the guy. Blows out his Achilles, and TJ makes the decision, we're putting the freshman in, we're rolling with him, we're going to develop him. They could have slid Gabe Kalsher over. They could have said, Jaron Holmes, we want you to run the point. TJ went all in with Taman Lipsy, and he has put together a, a start to the season. Right now, he's up there in the Big 12 Freshman of the Year conversation, just like Tyrese Hunter was a year ago. I'm not saying he's wow. going to win it, but he's in that conversation. It's been incredible to watch. And boy, Fran Fraschilla was, uh, <laughs> oh, was man. just pumping out great Iowa State content in that second half. I mean, clip some of that stuff. The athletic department should clip some of that stuff off and and post it on Twitter because 
I mean, he, he basically said, just wait. I mean, this is just the start for TJ Otzelberger with the recruiting classes that he has coming in. Priscilla said this program is about to explode over the next couple of seasons. So excitement, even with that Iowa game, excitement has to be through the roof right now with the fight that you're seeing from this program and this team and the opportunity that's out there with this conference getting even better basketball-wise next season when you're bringing in the Houstons of the world. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be pretty fun. And uh, Hilton Coliseum is is now I think getting back to where it should be. Craziest stat I've ever seen. I mean, I I like Ken Palm a lot. <laughs> I reference it a lot. People get tired of it. The current projections from Ken Palm of the Big Twelve only has two teams having a winning record in conference at the end of the year. <laughs> Kansas and Te- I mean this is like the li- this is the definition of cannibalization within a conference. Now it won't end up like this. This is just a computer projection. But it has West Virginia and Baylor each going 9 and 9 and the rest of the league Chris at 8 and 10 in the Big 12. Like so that tells you like there's just not much difference between 1 and 10 in this conference. It's going to be a meat grinder, dude. And if that's the case, if it if it comes out that way, you might see every single Big 12 team getting into the tournament. If every team in conference has eight or more wins, I think it's very. I, I don't know how yeah. you. I, I think I don't know how you make the argument that one of those teams isn't tournament viable. Well, and it's a good thing too. So you you referenced Iowa State's net. I mean, you're in a spot, Chris, where. Like, no loss is going to be considered a bad loss the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every road game is going to be a quad one game. Yeah, I mean, that's a fact. Every road game will be quad one. And, like, I would say two-thirds of your home games will be. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. By the way, I'm looking at it right now. And then you don't have last year that Missouri game. So they beat Missouri last year at home. They were bad. And it actually hurt them in their metrics because of Missouri being as bad as they were being at home. Well, this year that's a pick-me-up. So it's fascinating. Let's get to your team. Yeah. Is, and is then Iowa we now. have the Hawkeyes. Well, I will say this. They woke up in the second half yesterday, and it looked like the team that we saw earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. But this is a bad run, man, with the Eastern Illinois deal. <sighs> Nebraska is better but, I mean, I don't think they're a tournament team. And then losing to Penn State, where is your head at as an Iowa basketball fan? In my ass. Um, <laughs> when you look at the Big Ten preseason poll, Iowa has lost to the team picked ninth, the team picked 11th, and the team picked 14th. And they've also lost to one of the worst teams in the country, Eastern Illinois. And that's just in the last four weeks. It's not looking good. Um, J-Bo, Jordan Bohannon, tweeted that he thinks this team needs 11 wins in Big Ten play to get into the tournament because of those bad metric losses, particularly to Eastern Illinois. That means they would have to go 11-6 and six the rest of the way That's just to hard get to imagine. into the tournament. It is. With the way that we've seen them play. Now... 
they did play, they they played really good in the second half. They kept scoring and scoring and scoring, but for the most part, they couldn't really stop Penn State. They didn't really put together outside of one run. They didn't really put together back to back stops. The defense is a is a big concern, and again, they they have not started out with a murderer's row here. I mean, they're not playing. They they haven't played Illinois. They haven't played. I know the Big Ten. They, they've some of these teams have gotten off to slower starts than we expected. But this was supposed to be the easier part of the schedule with Wisconsin at home and then Nebraska and Penn State. I know the road games. I know those teams are maybe playing better right now than we expected. But you had to get one of those. You had to get one of those games. And down 18 points at halftime to Penn State? I, I Stunning. Stunning. Stunning what's happened. And and these last two games, Murray's back. Connor McCaffrey's back. And yeah. and Murray played maybe his best game in college against 32 Penn State. 32 points, career high. Yeah. A career high. And it still wasn't enough to come back and and get that victory. So now their their backs are against the wall. We'll see how they respond. But it is um it has been surprisingly ugly for Iowa basketball since that great win against Iowa State. Murray's just got to take over. And yeah. you kind of saw that in the second half. But I think it's pretty clear that the guards, you know, Perkins was pretty good last night, all things considered. But the Perkins Ewis deal is not exactly in, in the Bowen kid. I mean, that that's is an outsider watching. He's got Chris has got to just say, screw it, I'm taking over. Mm-hmm. And that's got to start from the opening tip. I think that's your one shot. And then these other guys around him, you know, flock to being the role players. And everything you do is for Chris Murray because that's your number one way to. Because again, like Rabracha is a nice player, he's a nice player. But when you stack him up compared to the posts that you're seeing night in, night out in the Big Ten, he's just a guy. Right. If you put most of these Iowa guys in that conversation, that's how it is. Who's your man? Like, who's your guy? And that's Chris Murray. And you saw him in the second half yesterday be, this is my team. I'm the best player on the floor. I'm going to take over. And he's got to do that more often. That's my really bad analysis of this team. But that's how they get to the tournament. If they keep playing like they did in the second half against Penn State, they've got a shot. But that was just 20 minutes. And that yeah. was, you know, Penn State's up by 18. Things really couldn't have gone any worse than they did in the first half for Iowa. You thought that they would at least cut into that lead a little bit. They just couldn't quite get over the top. Now they come home to face one of the best teams in the conference, Indiana. And it's a 8 o'clock local time tip on, what is that, Thursday? Yeah. I feels like you have to have it feels like you have to have this game or else then you're heading on the road to Rutgers and things could get out of hand quickly if they don't turn it around at home I expect them to do that even though Indiana is is a nationally ranked team I think Iowa comes back home uses that second half momentum and and gets back on the right track. At least I hope so. We'll have time to talk about that on Thursday morning. I, I would 
I would probably lean that way with you too. Again, I, I, I tweeted this after the Nebraska game and a bunch of Iowa fans got on my ass about it. But I'm like, we know they're not that bad. And what I meant by that was, what did they go, like 16 of whatever from the field? Like it was horrible. Like it, it was just a – because we've seen them make shots before against good teams. We've seen this group do this. But, again, it comes down to, like, they're not very good on defense. And when you're relying on outscoring somebody night in, night out, and this is, frankly, a a bit of a limited offensive team compared to what they've had, right? I mean, I I just don't see – Uh-oh. I don't see you for a second there, Chris. Do you see Ulis and Perkins taking the step needed for this team? Hmm. Gosh, Perkins, at at the start of the year – he was he awesome. looked like he was going to be the difference maker. I'm not sure what's happened these last several games. Maybe it's the inconsistency with some of the injuries they've had. I I, I don't know. Um, I, I can't really pinpoint it. But that that some of those defensive possessions in that first half, it were honestly mind boggling. It looks like they're not trying. Now I know that that's not the case, but mm-hmm. they're so far out of position. And Nebraska was the same way. Some of those shots Nebraska was getting, the corner threes, and attacking the basket, like it, it, it looked really, really bad. So, anyways, we will, well, uh, we will see. I, you know what Iowa needs? They need that. They need that guy that came down and yelled at him in the huddle. Yes. In the Eastern Illinois game, get that guy in practice and let him get on their ass. They need somebody to get on their ass on that defensive side of the ball get after it maybe just like clock somebody that's going in for a layup show some physicality let's go the season's slipping away we'll see on thursday iowa state uh we'll we'll get oklahoma on wednesday night uh in norman so you're gonna be a dog in every road game this year no matter what most big 12 teams will be if you look at the metrics, it is that time of year. All right, brother, uh, get back to work. We appreciate you uh, chiming in here from the – where are you at, the Bellator room, you said? <laughs> yeah, I'm in the Bellator MMA room. Uh, by the way, little known fact, we have Mediacom internet here at work. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to go on my phone's hotspot. Is that what you, you made the switch? You're on your hotspot? Made spot the switch now? to the hotspot. And I'm I'm a okay. The reason I'm here is because we we pushed the show back for you, right? Yeah, I, last day with kids home. Your kids go back to school after this tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow they go back to school. Praise Jesus. Okay, that's Th- good. This break has just been an eternity. <laughs> Which it's been fine. It's been nice. But I am ready. For, everybody's ready for the kids to go back to school. Yeah. I'm ready Everybody to, I'm watching ready to understands. Get, I, I need to get back into more of a routine because I've had a lot of time off as well and travels. It's 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 always nice to do that, but then you it, there comes a point where okay, let's get back into some consistency here. Let's I'm all get holiday back to work. out. Yeah, no, I let's get hit it. the ground running. Let's take the Christmas stuff down. Let's get that little Christmas thing out of your out of your background. Yeah, there. it's time. Last, last time, it's out. Last out time, okay. Today. Yeah, my this wife is, is off today, a so she's so she's going to be taking down all the Christmas decorations at home. Yeah, and, it's time, and we're moving into the dead of winter, Chris. Well, not for you. You're going to be out like sunbathing. But well, dead but of I, winter for me is great. I mean, it was 85 degrees yesterday. 
Seriously, it was 85. Yep, it was hot. I was walking around in in shorts and uh, a t-shirt. We went out. Well, we went out with uh, Matt Na- Matt and Ashley Barry. Matt Barry oh, nice. called the football game, uh, the Music City Bowl. Played some uh, played some cornhole bags. You mean? Yeah, no. That's what I. I don't know which one is worse. Is it? Is it worse to say bags or worse to say cornhole? It's always been it's weird bags that, to me. That Iowans call it bags when Iowa is known for corn. It's Iowa corn. Yeah, you're right. But it's always just been bags full of corn to me, so we call them bags. But whatever. Bags. I mean, well, this will start a fight. Just so you know, this will start a fight. People are very passionate about the bags versus cornhole thing. I I call it bags. I think cornhole sounds. I don't know, hickish. Yeah. But the rest of the country calls it cornhole. Well, we are hicks. We don't run from that here. You're definitely a hick. Well, it is what it is. All right, You're get out of here. And your mom's a cock. She is a proud cock, even after that game. That program is... The, the cocks are ascending. The cocks yeah. are rising. Well, the Catholics handled the cocks, so... They did. All right, he's Chris Hassel. I'm Chris Williams. Thanks to Brock Bierman for producing today's show. Thanks, Brock. We'll be back Thursday morning at the normal time, 830 Central. Appreciate you guys watching, downloading, all that good stuff. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the games today. Iowa everywhere.